Welcome, pudding people, to <laughs> another movie review. Another, another movie review. <laughs> um, today's offering is... Groundhog Day? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, my God, I got the giggles. Yeah, um, that's so, funny on multiple levels. So today's offering is... A recent release of a movie, and it is Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I should start with uh, my co-host sitting across from me, Mr. Hello. Ken Seymour. Hello. <laughs> uh, we're a little loopy, and we're going to let you in on a little secret. We have already done this podcast, at least a portion of it. Yes. And, um, and, uh, and uh, I feel like I'm sitting across from Bill Murray. I don't know. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. And it is unfortunately... Uh, Ned Ryerson? It didn't, it didn't save. It didn't save. So we're doing it again. Well, we've got a little repeat going on here. Um, it's like, yeah, I feel like mm. I've introduced Ken and myself before. I don't know. Any, anywho, um, yes. Yeah, so we're going to do a review today of... Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, we talked. We talked before, and you guys don't know we did. Uh, that that is the title of one of Queen's more popular or more well-known songs. Obviously, that's where they got the title from. From especially if you grew up in the time frame of say watching Wayne's World and being particularly fond of that movie. There's an entire section that is iconic in that movie related to that particular song. Though, if you're older than that, you are probably much more versed with a wide variety of their music, and that may not hold the same place in your mind as that particular song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that might actually be a little bit of your only view of Queen. And we, you know, there, there are stadium rock things. You know, we will rock you. We are the champions. And maybe you've heard those songs before, but didn't kind of put them in the realm of Queen. Maybe like, maybe you're just a Vanilla Ice fan and found out about Queen because who isn't? of that. I mean, for real, who isn't? I mean, Vanilla's Vanilla was the original one, and then <laughs> Queen and David Bowie just like, oh, well, we got if we got to travel back in time and write something as good as this song. I know this is how it's got to be. <laughs> All right, so. As always, we will do our spoiler-free opinion of whether you should run out and see this movie now or maybe you should wait till later. So what do you think, Richard? <laughs> I think that you should not spend your 10 or $12 to go to the movie theater <laughs> to watch this. We may be a little giggly throughout this because we may have talked about this in depth already. Uh, why is that, Richard? Um, I just don't think... so. The movie isn't bad, but if you like Queen, go and watch it. If there are other movies that are, you know, if you're a comedy person, you're an action movie person, you know, maybe there are better movies out there than this one. This one's kind of its own little piece, and it's not a bad movie. I just, if we weren't going to review it, um, I probably would not have gone and seen it and spent my money to go and see it. And I basically, I basically agree. This is, I, I... I think the movie is well worth watching, just 
not necessarily in the movie theater. Those of us that are of a certain income level and a certain amount of time have to pick and choose very specifically which movies we mm. go to see. So, you know, before we were doing this, you know, if, if it was a comic book movie, I'm likely to go see that. Maybe yeah. not even all of those, but this probably would not have met that particular threshold necessary for me to see it in the theaters. Now, see it on streaming? Absolutely. Yep. I've done that as soon as it came out on any of the streaming services. Maybe pay your two bucks on Redbox. That'd be fine. Absolutely. So, that is our general un- unbiased? No, probably pretty biased. Biased, yeah. Biased, but uh, spoiler-free opinion. And now we head into spoiler territory. Entrance music, Richard. We will again tell you about our scoring method, our scientific but not scientific scoring method, where we will divide things into separate segments. What segments? Cast. Cast for 20 points. Like if you break a leg? Exactly. That's the only definition I can possibly think of for that word. Directing and editing for 20 points. Costuming and props for 10. Location for 10. Cinematography for 20. Plot and writing for 20. And then any bonus points we feel like heaping on the mound of our cynical discourse over a movie we had nothing to do with. For a grand total of 117 points. Or something like that. All right. So we will start with cast. Again. (laughs) Spoilers ahead. Back again for the first time. Back again for the first time. All right. So when we left off our conversation that you did not hear, you were talking about Remy Malek and how you had seen him in some other stuff. Correct. So um, I was familiar with him and also Joseph Mazzello. Uh, They were both in The Pacific on HBO. Uh, We One of my faves from the favorite TV show episode was Band of Brothers, and that dealt with Europe. Well, this is the Pacific Theater. So that sequence of shows is where these two are at. And I was mentioning long ago uh, that Remy Malek's character was kind of a creepy dude in that that show. And then I think we mentioned that he was in uh, Mr. Robot. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then, Ken, you had seen him in... I had seen him in Night at the Museum. Secret of the Tomb, and that is all I had seen him in. Yeah, so he doesn't have a maybe an extensive background, but the things he's been in have been some High higher profile. higher profile things. For Absolutely. Sure. And if you think that he did well, and I think that he did well, and we both think he did well in this movie, I mean, he he grabbed the part by the horns and just took it for all it was worth. Yep. So I, I think he definitely was a good one. Um You've got, uh, you're talking about uh, Joseph Mazzello. He was uh, also in Jurassic Park. He was the young kid in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yes, he was. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that threw me off just a little bit. It's like, that's, there is no way. Um, but yeah, it's just, just kind of crazy. Yeah, go look at the, go look at the like pictures that. and you'll, you'll see. Um, now, Joseph Mazzello, his part in this particular movie, he was playing... Uh, the bass. The bass on that. Slap of the bass, man. Which is pretty funny. Um, one thing that struck me is they, they tried to get the look and the feel as close as they possibly could. Um, and I'll get into more specifics. But just in choosing the people, Malik, truthfully, just on his own, doesn't much look like Freddie Mercury. Not really. Um Kind of has the jawline a bit. I thought Mazzello was a little closer. 
uh, kind of almost really, really close. Yes. In fact, most of the other actors they got for the other band members are ridiculously close in how they look to the original. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you, you get the actors because they can portray a certain image, but maybe not be identical. But no, they... Yeah. That, that's one of the things in this movie. I was like, well, the actors match up pretty well, at least from a overall looks standpoint yeah, to their yeah. original counterparts. Um, and ben Hardy was the, the, the drummer. Drummer. Correct? Yeah. So, also now, Angel. That's why I was about to say Angel in the X-Men uh, series. I wonder how he got a part in this movie. Hmm. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. You know? No, no, no. Okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but I thought he did really good. Uh, he was maybe, of the other cast members, the farthest from the look of the, the original drummer. But, man, he looked like, insert rock drummer, if nothing else. He was... He was Definitely vibing that particular uh, feel. Yep, he had it. He had that that was he did quite well. Um, you had uh, um, come on, spit it out. I know who, you want to say it. Alan Leach. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was who I was going to. Was oh, okay. Alan Leach next? No, no. You you go ahead. You finish out the quartet. William Yee Lee. I mean. <laughs> It is Gwil, Gwil, William. That's yeah. what I want to say. Yeah, no, I didn't want to try it. I figured I was just going to mess it up. <laughs> G. Lee, how about that? Yeah, no, no. He, he, uh, I have, I went into his history as well. I have seen absolutely nothing that this guy has been in. This was, this was the craziest thing about this movie. With the, with the exception of a couple of guys in a couple of roles, I didn't know anybody. Which is pretty rare and kind of kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. Now um, he played uh, Brian May, and if you look at pictures of Brian May, and you look at pictures of Brian May in the band time. setting, yeah, his hair is poofy. Poofy, like it's permed to the max. Yeah, um, and he's taller. Like he's taller than everybody else. He's like in real life, like six two, six three. And they even got that one, yeah, in in, in the movie right it, too. That was just kind of crazy. And uh, they all did such a good job of copying the mannerisms uh, of the people that they were they were uh, intending to be. Oh yeah, not just mannerisms, but vocal inflections, and just kind of crazy how how well they did with that. Yeah, um, the sort of love interest. Well, we'll go we'll go to both love interests. How about that? We got. Uh, um, where did my notes go? <laughs> well, Alan Leach, there it was. Yeah, Alan Leach, yeah. That, that, that was where I was going to start with that. Uh, it was He was in the Imitation Game and Downton Abbey. And so, you know, he was somebody at least recognized. Uh, and and so that was kind of interesting. And I, uh, it, it feels kind of like a throwaway in some respects, the, the amount of screen time they've got. But, you know, it's the, it's the way it had to be, it, yeah. being pseudo-historical and all. Um, Pseudo, and the name of the young woman that uh, that played the uh, 
played the first love interest and continuing Lucy? love interest. Lucy, absolutely. Boynton. I made sure to scour her uh, profile as well and found absolutely nothing that I'd seen with her in it again. Nope. Uh, that's That was kind of crazy. But she actually did quite well, too. That all of the actors gelled with yep. each other particularly well. Had a good, yeah, they had a good rep, uh, uh, rep, uh, rep, uh, uh a good feeling for each other in the movie. <laughs> you almost said repertoire, didn't you? Yeah, I almost did, yes. <laughs> um, rapport, yes. There you go. I had, there a, you go. had to think of it for 10, 15 seconds. There you go. My world, that happens. Uh, now, one of, the, one of the gems, Aiden Gillen. Yes. Littlefinger. That was kind of nice to see. And... Uh, He's been in a lot of things. He's um, most people know him from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, but he's been in more than just Game of Thrones. Yeah, but everyone will just remember Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's the way it is. And you know, he did well. Because everybody pretty much despised his character. Oh yeah. And he lasted a long time too. He uh he, I it, I don't know if that was a fair representation of that individual from what I remember. It's Kind of accurate. Yeah. But uh, that's, again, from lens of what other people have said. So Correct. who knows? Um, but, you know, the the actor that stole the show, I mean, easily, Mike Myers, if you could recognize him. He played a character that didn't actually exist. Yeah. Well, he's an amalgam um, of several. He, yes. Um, and he himself played... I think a combination of a couple of characters as well. Um, so his, if you remember his father character from, um, so I married an axe murderer. Yeah. And then some and of his, uh, a little bit of fat, fat bastard. Yeah. In there. Uh, yeah. And that's to me what this character was. <laughs> it did feel like that just a little bit, but still it's okay. Just having him in the movie was just fun. Like, I wanted him to go over the top more because that's what, like, when he's got that accent and, like, that bad hair, like, that's what you expect from it. But it was just really, really subdued, so. Well, he had, he had, there's no way they were going to play that up too much. They're trying, this is, this is, this is awards fodder. I mean, by far, if this doesn't have a significant campaign to try and be nominated, I would be really surprised. I mean, by certain categories, certain categories, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, so they're not going to do anything that's going to potentially derail that, that particular aspect so that they can, you know, make more money. He did throw out a nice little sly comment in his verbiage about, Nobody's gonna be in cars and the group of guys singing like something like in a car. Nobody's gonna bang their heads to this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Funny. Uh, I I I always wonder with people that can riff like Mike Myers, where lines come from? Are they written or did he come up with it? Yeah. The way it was delivered, even though it was mildly amusing, I had to believe it was pre-written. I think so too. Yeah. I that's yeah. I kind of think that too. Somebody just really liked him. And thought that you got to put him in this. It just makes sense. And well, they they're, they're from right. what I read, they they just they just ask him, and he's like, uh, yeah, because yeah. he 
in reading some of the notes, when he did Wayne's World, the producers said, we are not going to put that song in this movie. They wanted Metallica. And he said, I will not do the movie unless you put this song in the movie. So he like stood his ground for that song. Which for was Bohemian Rhapsody. And Wayne's funny. World. And Lorne, Lorne Michaels caved. And he was actually on, I believe, Late Night with Stephen Colbert talking about that to a certain extent, about when they called him to offer the part. And, uh, uh, and you know, we, something along the lines of, we can send you the scripts. Just, no, I'll do it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if I was in his place, I would have said the exact same thing because how perfect is that, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, so I still I got a little giggle and a little thrill out of it. And the makeup was enough to at least give me a second and a half to two seconds before I go, oh, that's Mike Myers. Yeah, he's hidden. He's hidden. He's for they did a pretty good job, but as soon as as soon as he opens his mouth, it's like, wait, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so the rest of the cast is uh, people. Yeah, who work as actors and actresses. Yeah, nothing. When I was looking through, just no, no other like little gems of the super famous person or anything else that just really struck. So I mean, you've got just this strong core. But all did a really good job. Um, just solid all around. I mean, I didn't see anything in the actors themselves, whether it be the choice of the actor or whether it be how the actor um, engaged the performance that really detracted from it. I thought it was pretty solid all around. Yeah, and I feel like in reviews in the past, we've talked about how the cast has been the strong point of the movie and the thing that carried it through. Yeah. Um, the Predator was a perfect example of that. Yeah. Uh, lots of good actors, like, well-placed and and uh, well-acted throughout their portion of the movie. And I think, to an extent, um, that's one of the strong points in this movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, out of a 20, if I had to, if I had to nail it down... Normally in these situations, I'd say somewhere around a 15, but I think they all did such a good job. I'd say probably about a 16 out of 20 for me on this one. Just a just yeah, I was than normal. wavering between a 17 and an 18 in that range, um, just because all the, the all the focus was on a, a small, the same small group. Yeah, and I think for what they had to do, they they did pretty darn pretty good. So I'll do 17. Yeah. All right, so that takes us to the director, which uh, surprised the heck out of me when I saw who was directing this because when I hear this director's name, I do not think of biopic or uh, good. (laughs) Maybe that's a little harsh, but... (laughs) Which one? Uh, Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Brian Singer. The The first one. Yeah. 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 Odd choice. I, yeah. I, I'm i sure there was a reason. I mean, there's always a reason. So it must have been something that he presented, maybe, on how he would handle the script or the movie. I, I, I'm maybe not he's sure. Maybe he's super passionate about the band. I mean, you know, that sort of stuff. I mean... The Superman movie he did was just a love letter to the original Superman movies. I mean, that's that's the 80s. That's the period of where Queen was at its zenith. So maybe that's what it was. 
Wasn't good enough to finish it, though. <laughs> well, who was number two? <laughs> who does number two work for? <laughs> um, uh, a, a person? Yeah, I looked. Um, I had trouble finding who finished it, and then I ran out of time to look because, as I mentioned, technical issues kind of dominated my day. Um uh, but going on while you're double checking who that is for yeah I was to just say I'm going to not backtrack so much I like what Brian Singer does in the type of films that he does it the the original X-Men film that was kind of awesome yeah and then the well s- the first of its type to an extent yeah yeah and then the second X-Men film was really solid and then the third X-Men film was not good. And, you know, I always, I struggled in my mind, you know, what, whether yeah. it was the writing or whether it was the directing, where where did it all go wrong? And I don't know. But certain directors have certain styles that you kind of come to expect to a certain extent. And... You know, if he touches a superhero movie, it has a specific look to it, a yeah. specific feel. And so when I saw that he was going to be attached to this originally, it's like, oh, no, this is going to be awful. But it wasn't. It wasn't. And and so, I mean, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, and again, we don't know how much of this was him and how much was the individual that needed to finish the project. A um, couple, okay, I've, I've discovered a couple, I forgot a tidbit about the cast. Uh-oh. Um, in, when they're touring the U.S. and he's on the payphone and the truck driver that he kind of, they have eyes with as he yeah, goes into yeah. the bathroom is Adam Lambert. Yeah. So that's a little... That's that's your hidden. That's true. I had forgotten about that. Uh, but the director who took over is Dexter Fletcher. That name sounds familiar. Mm, yes, I think in my digging around with looking at some other movies earlier today, I had come across that particular name. Yeah, and he only did a couple weeks worth of just kind of the finishing up. Right. Yep. So Dexter Fletcher. Is that the de- was that way? Lock, stock, and two smoking bear. Oh, so he's yeah. been like an actor and all well, of that. That's things. why. That's right. There. Kick ass. That was why. Because I've been combi- compiling my database. And it's like, oh yeah, that's he's he's had comic book ties as well. Um so direct. An interesting, an interesting choice to finish. Oh, Definitely a good one. Directed Eddie the Eagle. Okay, got it. But uh, it's always it's always interesting seeing how much the original flavor or how much of the flavor is the original director, and when the director changes, how much is somebody else. It happens so often because you got personal tragedies, problems arise, you know, whatever, and you just have to. And and what parts did he actually direct? Yeah. From what I read, the performance at the end of the movie was the first thing that they shot. Yeah. So who knows what Dexter Fletcher actually completed in those two weeks. 
Yeah. What portions? I would love to. I bet it'll be in the uh, in in the uh, behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. of the deluxe special edition, which I may I may have to look at just to see that because I think that's particularly interesting. Yeah. But whether it was Fletcher, whether it was Singer, the tone stayed consistent. So where the one ended and the other started, I didn't see anything. It was just blatantly different. Well, I, I did get a different sense. So in, in I'll go back to The Predator. And these aren't good movies to compare. No. But that movie had, like, it took a turn. Like, we, yes. we, we recognized that somewhere in the middle of the movie, like, it just changed. <laughs> right? And there was, I feel like there was one other in the review that, like, it changed. Yeah. And this one had that kind of that feel, too, where the first half of the movie had a certain feel to it. Maybe the first even... <laughs> Two-thirds of this movie had a certain feel to it, and then the last third is a little rushed. Is different. I, I don't I don't know. Like it, there are just different components of this movie that came together that felt like segmented, I guess you could say. Well, I think I think it was just an attempt to get a specific feel for the ending of the movie. They changed a lot of the history that happened. A lot of the history. To, to, to make it work in the story that they were trying to tell, which on the one hand I understand, on the other hand drives me absolutely batty. I, I, it's Especially since it's an unnecessary change because of reality. Show us reality. People are still going to love it. But um, Yeah, so many elements of it. And I don't know if it's a directing thing. Could be a script thing. Could be script and directing thing. But so many elements of this story that was told are not accurate. No, no. And, and just trying to... So uh, for as much as they strived for accuracy on how the actors looked... Sound and felt. And sound and how they dressed and how the concert was at the end, it amazes me how the rest <laughs> of it was 100% just not accurate at all. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty bad on that. So I don't know if that falls in direction. Probably falls more into plot. I would no, say. But. No, I, yeah, I'm probably going to get back to that here in a minute. So, but when it comes down to it, a solid passing score, I think, for the director because there was a change in who was at the helm, and even with whatever it was that happened with the plot or the changes that they made, it still came off fine. And easily bypassed my fear that it was going to feel like uh, going to feel like Freddie Mercury returns rather than <laughs> something else. Yeah, uh, get the equivalent of a of a, a screen flare or something. You know, doves flying. You know that that normal signature thing you see from every director's like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. He didn't do it. So I think you know, passing score. Eh, give that. Uh, 14, I'd probably say, out of 20 for me. I, yeah, that's that's probably pretty fair. There's just a lot you got to, I think, manage in the director's chair for this particular movie. Movie. In fact, there was two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. All right. So now we're going to go into the first area where I'm going to uh, rag on the movie a little bit, and that's costuming and props. <laughs> but... You you uh you tell me what you thought about it. You were talking about how everybody dressed, you know that that looked right and everything looked good there. Yeah, 
Like, when you go back and you look at some of the archive on how everybody in the band dressed or how their hair was. Oh, yeah. Hair was perfect. Spot on. And the instruments. The instruments were good, too. So the uh, Brian May's guitar is not like you don't just go out and buy that guitar. No, no, not at all. Apparently, he and his father made that guitar, and that was the one that he used. And they had like almost a dead-on replica of that guitar. Oh, yeah. So... I don't know, man. Like the the clothing, the props. Like they the, had the Pepsi cups on the exactly. Piano. I mean that they obviously paid close attention to so much, and yet they still put beaver teeth <laughs> in Malik's mouth. I mean, come on. You pay so. I mean, if you're going to do so good on everything else, and then you're going to stick two bars of soap in the front of the mouth of your lead actor that everybody's going to be looking at throughout the whole movie. Yes, Freddie Mercury had a slightly odd dental structure. Did not look like he could chew through wood. I looked, I was like, well, maybe I'm just reconstructing things, you know, because it's been a little while since I looked at Freddie Mercury's pictures. I looked, I looked from the beginning of the band to the end of the band and at no point would I have feared if he accidentally bit me. The, with the with the prosthetic that Malik had in, it was so awkward. He couldn't close his mouth correctly. And, and it, I understand why they were trying to, because again, we're trying to get the feel, not the reality. Yeah. yeah. No. Bad. Bad. That could have been done better. Was it more of his... I'm trying to think here. It, not an overbite, but like just misshapen. Like if you would have had them more at an angle, for example, instead of just kind of not quite so prominent. It's less forward, more sideways. If you if you look at Freddie Mercury's uh, original dental structure, if you look at the top of his teeth, uh, they would they bridged out normally in the front pretty much. Uh, but they just went wider around the corners. And if you looked at the bottom of his teeth, his front three or four teeth bent backwards uh, into his mouth just a little bit. His, 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 his lower teeth were just awful. Uh, but the upper teeth looked pretty much good, except for you know some gaps here and there, and they're a little wider. But I, 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 fully, I fully expected to... And he wasn't even British. ...see the rescue rangers appear when I was looking at the prosthetic that he was wearing. I like that cartoon. <laughs> is that is that a good pop culture drop in there? Just just a little taste. Um, God, that bothered me through the whole movie. I tried to get past it, but every time I looked, I was like, "Good lord, he cannot close his mouth. This is not natural." Stop it. Oh, sorry, I had to vent. I mean, that was really my only big problem. For the most part, all of it was really good, but. I mean, I mean that that's true. If that's something that you're focusing on on the main character and a main aspect of the main character, the entire time you're watching it. Um, so, so I mean, normally, if it wasn't for the teeth, I would I would have given this a nine or a ten easy. Um, I mean, because like you said, the outfits were pretty much dead on. The instruments were there. The location stuff is there. So yeah. So look, he, he pulled me. Visualize this as we're looking. He's got a picture of Freddie Mercury. His teeth are even. They're good. They're out. But it doesn't look like he's going to gnaw through anything at any given point. 
He can close his mouth and look normal. Malik, it didn't look like could. Yeah, look at that. Looks perfectly normal, except for the weird stash. I mean, but that was the Freddie Mercury stash. I mean, the stash is money. <laughs> it was an 80s thing. 70s, 80s thing. But, uh, so, I mean, I again, probably the only problem I had, but it was such a prominent problem that, for me, that knocks it down to a 7. It was that distracting throughout the whole movie for me. Yeah, I... I guess I can't knock it too much because of all of the other things that were done so well. <laughs> the the tight jeans, the Adidas shoes. Man, it was pretty like that the hair is what really got me, is that the hair on the band members were I was like, are they overdoing this? No. Cause like, let's let's go let's go look at him. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's that's dead on. Yeah. So I was pretty impressed by that. So I, I can't. I you, I you didn't have as big a problem with the teeth. No, no, no. I I I was able to kind of look beyond that. Um, so they, they got to get, gosh, at least a nine. That's that's probably fairer than mine. I'm 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 likely likely being a little catty with my uh, with my estimation. But good good lord. Ugh. Well, let's move on to something a little more positive. (laughs) Let's go to to locations. Um, So, most of the film is all over the place. There are a lot of locations they shot, or at least a lot of stages at the very least. So, okay. So, uh, we're talking about the first thing they shot was that was that performance. The Live Aid thing. The Live Aid performance. So, the the stage, the, the location there... I mean, if you can ignore some of the, the CGIing they did, I mean, which is technically in cinematography, we'll get to that. Um, that was just awesome. The uh, mansion, you're talking, we were talking about this a couple of days ago, how they couldn't get permission to film in uh, Freddie Mercury's mansion, but they did a heck of a job recreating it from the pictures I remember. Um, that was pretty fantastic. Um the studio where they shot at the time the most expensive re- uh, record ever recorded. Yeah, on yeah. the farm. That was pretty pretty funny. I mean, all the pieces of the background looked good. the The housing was very rustic and run down looking. The dive bar that they're performing at uh, seemed pretty excellent. They they had a lot of indoor shooting, meeting rooms, things like that. Not a lot of outdoor stuff. Um, no. So. Solid all around. Yeah. I, I didn't have anything to complain about on the location. Checking some suitcases at the beginning, you know. Um, yeah, it was fine. Now, at the same time, nothing really just kind of jumped out at me as being amazing. Yeah, but I mean, it can't not not if you're portraying things mostly realistically. I mean, you had them traveling around the world from stadium to stadium. You got some inside the uh, the tour bus bits here and there, and yeah. Nothing, nothing to really say. I'd, I'd say that's a good eh, eight or a nine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make up for my cattiness from before and go with a nine on the location. Yeah, eight, eight's fine. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't anything that was awful. So, um, okay, so cinematography, cinematography. I like cinematography. Cinema. Absolutely, sugar and cinnamon. Um, what did you think? 
Uh, I mean, because we talked I, about we talked about A Star Is Born before, and how I really hated their their camera. They're not choices. being able to show that people were actually playing, playing the, things, and they. I mean, they showed some bits and snippets of him playing the piano. Yeah. Um, they showed some bits and snippets of playing the bass. Yeah. Um, some bits of drum playing, but like not. It was the same kind of shot three, four different times where he'd hit a couple things and go for the two cymbals, you know. Yeah. So like, it's not like they were showing these guys play, but it's not like they were avoiding them playing. No. And when they were on stage with them in this movie, and I. I feel that I'm, you know, maybe I'll get a little pushback from people that are listening to this, but I, I would love for whoever was doing A Star is Born to take a note from <laughs> whoever was doing this movie. You can give the people a little bit of space and then see what's happening, and it's good. And it doesn't feel like you're trying to put the camera inside their nostrils. Uh, but they probably also... Shot that thing in like fifty thousand shots, maybe. Which on the Star Wars Born, maybe that opening sequence, one, one. Shot. Yep. So I'm probably being a little unfair there, but I, the the difference is night and day for me. And the performances that they did in in this movie, the angles were good. It was steady when it needed to be steady. It moved. It focused on the right people. There were no sightline issues. Yeah, it, they, whether they were playing or not was at least believable, right? Yeah. Um, and we know that that when it came when it comes to the actual performances, the singing in here, some of it was done by Remy. Some of it was done by another dude who, if you watch his YouTube videos, sounds like just like Freddie Mercury. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's, Really, he's um, pretty good, and some of it was Freddie Mercury. Mercury. So they they mixed all those voices together to create what they needed to create. But it looked like it always looked like he was the one belting out the songs. Yeah. Right. So they they presented that in the perfect fashion as well. They at least synced it up perfectly. If he wasn't if he wasn't producing the notes, and that was one of the things that really uh, really kind of amazed me was. I went back and I watched Live Aid when it happened. Mm-hmm. I was I was alive at that point, and I liked Queen already, and so uh, I I watched that. Uh, even though my uh, other people that I was around was like uh, were interested in everybody else, that was that was kind of the one that I was I was keyed on to. But it's been long enough. I needed to watch it again, and the movements. The movements are the same. The inflection is the same. It was all the same, basically. Yeah. And so I I would love to have had my hands on, okay, what did they rip from the original performance? What did they perform? Who did what? Because it's seamless. It is fantastic. Yeah. And that goes back to what we said before, how as historically accurate you can be for that thing. 
and just totally tank it on everything. So. <laughs> I'm, I, I almost feel like this movie was an homage to that performance. Yeah. Like, that's the whole reason that they did the movie is because that performance during Live Aid is one of, it's well received as one of the best live performances of all time. That short 20-minute little snippet. Although I did have one small issue in their in their filming of the Live Aid performance, at least with the crowd. I, I feel they maybe could have paid a little more attention to the work they did on the crowd because the, the, it was... Is either clearly touched up or they never, because I don't, I don't think there's any way they had the number of people there for that actual performance. No, they didn't have seventy thousand people no. extras just kind of chilling for. Well, especially since there were about, uh, I saw about five hundred uh, clones <laughs> in the crowd, and <laughs> they jumped right out at me. It's like that is the same dude. Like, oh, and there he is again, and there he is again. Uh, yeah. You right click, copy, <laughs> copy paste. paste. There you go, all done. <laughs> that was that was a little, it was brief at first. Like, oh, they're just going to do it the once, but then they went out into the crowd again, and I saw it again. It's like, oh man, it was it was it was a little bad. It was a little bad, but I mean, that was the only real filming, the only cinematography thing that bothered me. That the two shots were good, the angles they used were good, the lighting was fantastic. There's a lot of mood lighting that I don't know if people paid attention to, like when he goes to see the doctor and how everything is just a little darker and it's a little, you know, so it's like, okay, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious, you know, when they're going through the sequences where he is exploring his, what is, what does he really believe his sexuality is? And he's going to these dark how they change, like, like they changed the filters or something, you know? Yeah, no, they did. Although the, uh, the two, the two, kind of leather clad guy or the same leather clad guy mirrored in one sequence was a little odd to me. It just felt a little too kind of college student trippy to be in there. But I mean, again, pretty minor, all, all to be said and done. Uh, so cinematography, pretty, pretty good. I'm, I'm in the 17 range on that one. I'd say, I think that's fair. Um, I think 16, I'll go with 16 on that. Cause there wasn't anything that was bad. No. It wasn't anything that was great. It was fine. And now to the crux, the thing that always makes or breaks a film, the plot and the writing. I think we both kind of agree it, it goes towards break. I don't think it goes as far towards break, in my opinion, as, as, as you did in yours, but it definitely could have been better. Yeah, so if, because I knew components, like but very little about the history of Queen. And the way the world works today, I feel like when you see a media thing, you instantly believe it to be truth. Yeah. And if people go out and watch this movie and didn't read any factual information about the band and who they were and what they did, that they would see this and like, oh, this is their story. And this is such a loose timeline interpretation Oh, yeah. Of their story, that it's, it's it's bad. Like yeah. it, I I get it because you're making a movie for it to be presented as a movie. You're not making it to be sold to future generations as this is the story of Queen. Like I understand that, but like it's if you're gonna, like, I'll, I'll go back to it. If you're gonna make 
one part of it or like certain elements of this as historically as like you could you're trying to mirror it and be as accurate as you possibly can yet you just completely disregard so much other stuff i just i don't get it you know yeah and make up your mind well i mean some things i understand for dramatic license but some things they changed would have had zero effect on the movie how he becomes a member of queen in the beginning of the movie he already knew him he knew him well it would have been as spontaneous as if he just hopped by the van and then sang with him it would have been just fine because you could have had the other guy leave and there's my opportunity there's my spot i can jump at it and it would, be, it would have had the exact same effect why change that that was so pointless yeah he was in a band yeah and they didn't they broke up and he where he was at he they spent time with other people that made music yeah including david bowie yeah i mean how awesome would that have been you could get somebody that looks like david bowie to just pass him in the hallway it's like hey david yeah no mention of david bowie in the entire movie at all no or the fact that they did the Flash soundtrack. Or the fact that they did the Highlander soundtrack. Like, yeah, I can understand that one. Like, th- those are cool. Yeah, they're they're very cool. But, but. like, every, we, we, everybody knows, everybody knows that that beat, as much as people know the Anthem Rock stuff, everybody knows, at least that's our age, mm-hmm. everybody knows that beat. From uh, um, Vanilla Ice slash Under Pressure. Yeah. Like, everybody knows that. And, of course, that wasn't touched on. At all. At all. In the least bit. And then, and I I get it. It's kind of a minor thing in their growing up, but it's not. I mean, that's. What about the whole thing with We Roll? We Will Rock You. I want to come up with something new. Well, let's start without him. He wrote it. Like, what eight years before that happened he already had the song why manufacture that you can still get that dramatic turn with he just won't show up and you can instead said i want to come up with something it's like hey i wrote this thing i think it's a way for us to connect with the fans it would have been two lines that were different why yeah it's just a it just bugs me to the core that you're trying. And I wonder if when, because I, I felt like I read before a couple of years ago or something that the band had issues with this movie and how it was written or how certain things were being portrayed in the movie. Um, and I think I even read that uh, Brian May, his ex-wife, she had parts in this movie that she complained so hardcore about that they actually cut them out because of how she was being portrayed in the movie. <laughs> so, I—I I mean, some things I could get over, like the whole bit where he tells the band about his his disease before they go and perform. I can see the dramatic license in that a little bit. That was the only change I could kind of sort of understand and sort of get behind. Besides the fact that he totally kept it secret during that whole thing, and he most likely 
didn't even know that he had it during the Live Aid like performance. four years or something like that? Yes. Yeah. And that person that he went back with right before the Live Aid, they lived together for a long time yeah. before they ever found out that he had AIDS. Yeah. Like they, um, the oh. band was touring before they went on <laughs> Live Aid. Live Aid, yeah. Oh, how will we ever get good again before we... We've only got a little bit of time. Oh, good Lord. Every, the organizers of Live Aid told everybody Queen was going to do it, and Queen's like, we don't want to do it. We're tired. Yeah. It's not like... That could have been just as good of a hook, that we're burnt out, it's driving us apart, but let's come together for a good cause. That would have had... The exact same effect. Again, it would have taken 10 minutes in a room with somebody. Uh, I'm being mean. I was about 10 minutes in a room with somebody who had an ounce of common sense. That's probably unfair. But just thinking it through, or, uh, why? Or, like, they did get one thing right. They did practice in a gym. <laughs> oh, 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 the other one. The other one that I loved. Um Wow, we're just not getting anybody that's donating until Queen steps on. And now the phones won't stop ringing. Look at all this money. Such I, an inspiration to the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about 99% sure that's not how it happened. I seem to remember during Live Aid, uh, and this could be just my being young at the time, but I seem to remember they were letting us know how things were going. As the concert was going on, there was no lull. Did not happen. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many things. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm more passionate about this just because Mercury was is my second favorite rock vocalist of all time. And I love Queen's music so much. And it has such a place, not just with the music, but with the history. And when you tinker with that, for no good reason, it really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. That's in in watching in watching because once again, like I didn't have the history of of the band. I watched it and I was like, okay. So the the pacing of this movie to me was just weird. That's why I said before it was like two seconds. Like the first chunk of this movie was like moved at a deliberate pace and it was just like it was it was weird you know like it just like this and 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 look at that you know like this is just there's something missing here about we're missing large gaps in things yeah and then it finally kind of slowed down and evened out a little bit it was just See, I got the opposite impression. I felt it was a more deliberate pace at the beginning, and then it seems like, oh, it's all done now, but uh, uh, tied up. Yeah, I got I got the complete di- opposite reaction. Well, see, I got that towards... I, I understand what you're saying at the end, because it was like the buildup of this movie was for that performance. Mm-hmm. If you look at all the history and the scenes and the shots and the things, even when they were doing the recording... At the studio, the barn studio, that even that segment was, you know, 10 minutes long or so of them doing things. But the sequence at the end, they put 15 minutes worth, like them sitting at the bus, them going up to the stage, all the performances, although they did cut out a performance in the middle. It wasn't the whole performance, but it was 
a good chunk of a spot that occupied a big chunk of the movie, whereas the rest of the movie had segments and seg- I, mean, I, I get where you where it's just thrown together at the end, and it's this, and then all of a sudden it's this, and it's done. Yeah, yeah. I just the the pacing in general in this movie just was off. Was just off. There's something that was just weird about it to me. Yeah, I, and because of all those problems, as much as I like the fact that the movie is about him and about the band, as much as I like that they included so many elements that were good, it just kind of trashed it for me. Um, I seven, maybe an eight. Yeah, uh, I was thinking eight or nine, so yeah. I'll go with eight. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um. All right, so that brings us to the point where we can add any bonus that we decide we want to add to it. Do you have any bonus points? Uh, maybe depends on what my score is. <laughs> to get it to where you want it to be. See, this is why it's not quite scientific. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, right now you are at uh, seventy-two. Mm, that puts you in a in a just just under a so you're at a C minus. Okay, I'm I'm fair with that. Okay, so, um, um. I will do one bonus point because this movie, in the anticipation for this movie, one, got me to listen to a lot more Queen in the weeks leading up to the movie. And although I didn't listen to all the B-sides or the secondary songs in their 11, 12, 13 albums that they've got available, it did catch me up on more songs of theirs that I had not routinely heard or maybe not even heard before because I was listening to so much more Queen and discovered quite a few more songs from there. I'm like, man, this is a really good song. So bonus points to the movie for getting me more into Queen. Uh, okay, so to be fair, if, if we're going to go that route, I do have one bonus point also. Less about the Queen, more that somehow I never really listened to his solo stuff i was thinking about that too i didn't even i didn't know that he did solo albums yeah and then i also read up a little bit on them and like they weren't very well received they were a little out there but i never really listened to them and it it gave me an opportunity to just kind of go out and hear a little bit and that was that was neat it was it was seeing another element of uh uh, of who he was, and that was kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. So it opened us up to listen to more music. So okay, so that means you ended at seventy three. I ended at seventy two. Solid C from you. Mm. C minus from me. I think that's still pretty fair. I would not have budged off the C minus because it's worth a watch. Yeah, mostly, and and so long as you can stomach the um, inconsistencies. Yes, so you you have to approach this movie from an outside perspective. Go to go to it for the performances. Yeah. Um, go to it as a movie loosely based on the history of Queen. It's like watching uh, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. <laughs> that was the thing I was thinking throughout the movie. It's like, oh, they're getting the feel, but hey, look, there's a ghost. Yeah, it's, no, there's no ghost. Um, that was. Yeah. I I did enjoy that movie as a. It, younger pup. It had a similar number of inaccuracies. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. So 
Now you know what we think. What do you think? Let In us America, know. they say the sky's the limit. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know on our forums. You can leave comments. You can leave your own idea, your numerical values, your breakdown of the movie. We'd love to hear it. We will definitely read it. We may even respond to it. If you have ideas for shows, we would love to hear that as well. Come visit us on our social media at insert social media here. Beep, boop, 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 beep. <laughs> it's got something with pudding and guys. Yeah, it's, it's out there. You know, yeah, I'll look at it at some point. <laughs> the pudding pops. That's right. Until next time. No, enter music now. Okay, got it. That's right.